0: what's up everybody i wanted to do something a little bit different this week and next week and we are going to give you an inside look behind the curtains of the power producers mastermind this week's issue of shop talk and next week's episode of shop talk are going to be half and half of one of our bi-weekly mastermind calls where we specifically talk about what you as a producer need to do to weather the hard market. Now, if you're not getting this kind of support, check us out, man, it's crazy. Go to killingcommercial.com, look for the Power Producers Mastermind, and you can find out the information. And if you wanna register and join us, you can it's not expensive it's 99 bucks a month and you get a bi-weekly conference call a private linkedin group where we interact on linkedin and one-on-one coaching as needed so if you need help with that experience mod audit you're not out on an island all by yourself we got your back check out this content i think you're going to be pleased
1: you're listening to power producers shop talk where we are refining and redefining the sales game by equipping you with the tools you need to differentiate yourself in the marketplace.
2: Well, it's like when we audit the mod with Mod Advisor and are able to give them the action items that they're going to use to lower their total cost of risk.
1: Tactical skills that will help you provide deliverable value to your clients and prospects.
0: It's going to be a great year in 2022 at Florida Risk Partners. Now that IPFS is in the game with their total pay strategy, we can write excess and surplus lines and completely remove the agency bill from our agency. People, if you're not using total pay by IPFS, you're definitely leaving money on the table.
1: And action items that you can provide to take your prospects and clients to the next level.
0: Having partners like Mineral only bolsters the fact that your clients do not care about the insurance. It's all of the value that you're able to add. And with partners like Mineral who can help with both HR and Environmental health and safety—we can't help but win.
1: This is Power Producer Shop Talk production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power?
0: Ha <laughs> ha! Look at that guy. Here
2: I
1: am. This call
0: am. got this guy got this call got a whole lot deadlier.
2: Especially when Christian
0: Delozier joins. That's who I was talking about. I don't know who you thought I was. <laughs> <mentioned>. <laughs> Cool, man. We got a nice little crew. <laughs> that is fantastic with the uh, the red beard logo behind your head. It looks like you're wearing a wig, Josh. Thanks. All right, cool. So um, one of the things that I've been talking about the last couple of weeks, I think this is really, really important, is how we navigate the hard market. So I'm interested. I can't see everybody. It's weird. Let me see if I can fix how this is all set up. Meh. It's only going to give me six based on the number of people on here. But there's a lot of things we need to be considering when we're talking about a hard market. And, you know, in Florida, it's funny because when they asked me to go speak in Illinois, the, the whole topic was how to navigate a hard market as a producer. And I was like, I don't know that you could have found anybody better than an agent from Florida because we don't have soft markets. We just have harder, harder. Like that's how it works down here. So it's interesting to me, though, because it seems like you know, I don't know that I've ever been part of a hard market where property and casualty have both been affected. Like we're not dealing with just the property issues in Florida anymore. We're dealing with property issues, we're dealing with auto issues, we're dealing with umbrella issues. I think the and if you're writing service contractors, even general liability at this point for plumbers and HVAC people have become has become really, really tough to get placed because of all of the water damage claims and things like that. And so it has become increasingly difficult even for our clean business to control rate and everything else inside of the relationship because the carriers are having such horrible loss experience everywhere else. So one of the things that I talked about yesterday on the killing commercial call, and this is the only thing that I'm going to replicate from that is I really think that it's important That we understand how to have the conversation with our clients and prospects about how the hard market comes to exist. Because we have to keep in mind that the people who buy from us hold us responsible for the ultimate outcome of whatever it is that happens. So if rates go up, that's our fault. If rates go down, we get credit for it. And so they they tend to think number one, we're the ones who are controlling that. We're the bad guy or the bad girl. We're the ones that are doing it to them. The other thing that a lot of people tend to think is they think in a silo in that if we didn't have something happen here, why are we having to pay for it? You know, I live in Iowa. We haven't had any hail, we haven't had any tornadoes, we haven't had Hurricane Ian or any of this other stuff yet. I see my rates going up, or you know, auto going up or umbrella going up. And so I really think that one of the things, especially from the property perspective, that's really important for people to, to understand and be able to easily articulate is the whole reinsurance game and how that affects all of this stuff. Because if reinsurance only moves by a couple of pennies, all of the underlying is going to get affected by that. And I don't think that many agents, like I was in, when I was at agency success last week, I asked this question, I asked the same question in Illinois, and the question is this, how many of you would have would be able to articulately explain how reinsurance works to a prospect or a client in an effort to help them understand what's happening with rate? And literally, at agency success, the only hand that went up was my friend, Chris Paradiso, and I would have expected him. And in Illinois, like one guy raised his hand. I don't even remember his name. And quite honestly, I don't believe him. But, you know. We don't explain these things. Right. And so I don't think I think part of the problem is agents don't understand it and they don't know how to start explaining it. But, you know, if you've ever written a tough risk on manufacturing, which Gurley, I know, has. But I mean, I've had to do that, too. I wrote an account called Corona Brushes. If you guys buy paintbrushes at Home Depot, their brushes are in there all over the country. And when you make paintbrushes, that process is inherently risky from a fire standpoint. And so Chubb was on the risk, but Chubb wasn't interested in taking as much risk as they were for that part of the exposure. So they even had to go out and get what's called facultative reinsurance, which is reinsurance specific to a, a single policy or a single program. And so it's really important because reinsurance is global and people only want to think about their own kingdom and they want to think about what's affected them there. They don't want to think about, well, we did have a bad earthquake in the, in Turkey. There have been mudslides and things in the Philippines. We've had typhoons in other parts. And see, the reason why that's important is because reinsurance itself is global. It, it, it's affected everywhere. And so even though we may not experience the losses here, if the reinsurance carriers are on a global scale, then it's going to affect our rates here. Here's the other problem. And I I, I, ha- I take issue with this. The last two or three years, there's been so much surplus in reinsurance that the reinsurance carriers haven't taken rate. And so instead of just taking a little bit of incremental rate over the last couple of years, they've gone down this path of we didn't take any, didn't take any, didn't take any, wham! And now everybody's getting hammered. And it's it's a problem because it's a magnified rate increase that's coming from this. We're dealing with this right now with auto owners. In our, auto, in our auto book. Because last year, auto owners took two rate increases. And I'm not throwing shade. They are one of my favorite carriers. They're, they're top two in my agency. But they put us in a bad position because they took a rate increase in June, and they took another rate increase in December. So anybody that we've had that renews in the springtime has gotten hit with the rate increase from June and the rate increase from December all at the same time. And It's not like we have a hard time having the conversation with our client. What it really has done is it's affected the workflow in the agency because there used to be a day when we could look at something and say, oh, yeah, auto owners is going to crush that. And we would just go quote it with them and we wouldn't even waste our time going anywhere else. Now, we're at a point where we literally have to go through a marketing exercise on everything that comes in and we're having to do it at renewal, which is not something I like to do or that I'm happy with. So, anyhow, that, that has presented a problem to us um with the rate increase. But you know, here's the thing. We're at a point now when as producers navigating the hard market, we have got to be proactive in education. Reinsurance is one thing. Talking about market conditions, you know, honestly, putting out an agency newsletter or something. I didn't mention this yesterday and honestly just came to my mind, but probably putting out an agency newsletter talking about market conditions and what things mean, or a series of those, or doing blog posts and pushing them out to social, linking back to your site, because this is something that is going to continue to be a problem. And the one thing I can promise everybody is when you have a hard market like this, everybody shops. It doesn't matter how great your relationship is. It doesn't matter how long they've been on the books. Everybody's going to be out shopping to compete and see how much they can save, if anything. The reality of it is they're focused on the wrong things. Price is not really what they need to be focused on because they may not even get a quote at this point, depending on what it is. It's whether or not you're even going to be able to be covered. And that's where we come in. That's where we really are going to earn our stripes in a hard market. And it's one of the reasons why you've seen me, if you follow the stuff I put on social, you've seen me refer quite a bit to what a complete submission looks like. Here's the reality these underwriters are getting absolutely hammered. Like they are not in a position to where they can do the things that they used to do for us. Like turn around a quote in you know 20 minutes if you have something over the phone or whatever else. The lead time that the underwriters that your wholesale brokers need is much, much higher than it used to be. And the same thing holds true at the, at the carrier level, mm-hmm. right? And so the problem you run into is you go in with the same 30-day expectation that it's plenty of time for you to get the submission in, underwriter to review it, and you're sitting there a day or two before renewal and you still don't have your numbers yet and you're getting upset because you're going to have to pitch at the last minute. And we all know what's getting ready to happen. You're getting ready to get hammered with a 40% renewal increase and no time to explain it to your client. And now you look like the bad person. The reality is, we got to get this stuff way out in front, number one, Number two, submissions need to be 100% complete and on point. And number three, you really need to be able to do more for your clients and prospects than simply place the insurance because the cleanliness of that prospect's risk profile is material in the submission process more than it is when we're dealing with the softer market we used to be able to get by here with not writing a ton of property because a lot of our clients just have metal buildings, you know, that are in the plumbing yard or whatever and that's always going to be ENS in Florida but now we're having to really tighten things up on the casualty side too and it goes back to defining what what does a complete submission look like and why so i really think it's important specifically on this call we got a, you know we got a good mix of people here in terms of tenure in the industry but The first thing I'm going to mention is you got to make sure that the applications are complete. And I know that sounds like it's a hundred, like just basic, basic stuff. But if I were to ask the question, I'm not asking it because I don't want anybody to incriminate themselves, including me. How many times do we really ask our client every single yes, no question on an accord form? It doesn't happen, guys. I know it doesn't happen. I'm as guilty of it as anybody else, you know, specifically the age bracket. You know, do you have any employees less than or older than? Never ask that question, you know, and guess what? Every single one of our clients probably has that dude that's 67 working the receiving dock that's going to fall and break his hip. And then we didn't answer that he was working there on the accord form. So we got to be going through there and answering all those questions because it's a material part of the risk and it can't be pencil whip. The other thing we need to be doing is, you know, we need to really be diving deep into what's going on inside these accounts operationally and and making sure that when we get loss runs, we're not just viewing loss runs as necessary for the submission. We need to understand the story that those loss runs are telling. We need to form questions around what we learn from the loss runs. We need to put bullet points together for our own Lost control visits or visits there where we're going to do what we, you know, what I call functional risk management, where we as producers can just walk around and see things. We got to be a hundred percent on point on that stuff. And here's the thing. This is what I want everybody to realize. We all do it or all have done it. I'm recovering. So I can't say that I do it anymore, but I think every single person here at one point or another has painted a risk to look just a little bit better than what it really is. If we were to walk in there and look around, we don't maybe say, we we say they only have three dusty corners, not four, or, or whatever the case is. Here's the thing. The underwriters already know that they they already know all four corners are dusty. So you're better off in a hard market identifying. And we do this all the time. Anyhow, and honestly, you get so much credibility from the underwriter when you do it that You'll you'll skate through the hard market, but we disclose everything. I'll include video. I'll include pictures. If I'm out walking around a risk, and I look over and boom, there's a there's a uh, stack of pallets in front of the the door. I'm going to take a picture of it. Then I'm going to tell somebody to move it, and I'm going to take another picture showing we already fixed it, and then reminding that person that that doesn't need to happen because that's a point of ingress or egress, and if you put pallets there, it's a major violate safety violation. We're going to take pictures of expired fire extinguisher tags. Then we're going to tell the person, get this taken care of in the next week. Send me a picture showing it's been fixed. I want to show them that we found it and things weren't right and we've already fixed it. That is a much greater sense of confidence as for how the risk is going to be handled moving forward than just simply saying that that's what you're going to do. The other thing is, I I really think at this point, pictures are really, really important. And if you can do video, video is extremely important. I have no problem taking video as long, and you have to ask. You don't want to just whip out your camera and start taping the inside of somebody's manufacturing facility, especially if they've got a proprietary process. It could get you in a lot of hot water real quick. But you want to get if if they're okay with you doing it for insurance purposes, get video of the inside of everything so that the underwriter can see it. I think that's really really important as part of the submission process because again, it shows you're not hiding anything from them. It shows that they, you know. Yeah, there was something wrong, but we went on ahead and addressed this and make that part of your submission. And from our perspective, one of the things that we started doing, and I've shared this inside Killing Commercial, is we do video submissions at this point. Sure, we're going to have the accord forms attached if it's going to ENS and whatever else we need, but at the end of the day... We're sending a video that's showing them risk management visits. We're showing them um, scre- like we go into Loom and we're do- going inside the risk management internet and learning management system that we've built and all of this other stuff. And we make that along with the testing scores and the transcripts of who attended and the certificates of uh, completion for training and stuff. That stuff all gets put into the submission when we when we send it in. And I think it's really, really important to include that stuff as well. The other thing that I think is important, specifically during the hard market, and honestly, I would recommend you do this all the time, especially if you're in a middle market account. Now, if you're going to go in and call an account that's $5,000 in premium, this is not what you want to do. But if you're going in to something that's truly middle market, you know, one of my tricks that I've, I I hate to say trick because sure enough on social, anytime you say trick and you mean it innocently, you get that don't mow my lawn guy or get off my lawn guy that's, Telling you, you shouldn't be using tricks in sales. Okay, buddy, whatever. Your dad should have used a trick and pulled out. Anyhow, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> reg- Regardless, you know, one of the things that I've always done, maybe I should say tactic is a better term that'll suit the that generation. Um, one of the tactics I've always used, though, is I like to include as many people from the chosen carrier on the front end and go into a meeting when we're going to talk to them and learn. Not, not to close the deal, to make sure that everybody's you know, on board with what this risk looks like. And I bring in the underwriter, I bring in their loss control people, I'll bring in their claims people, and I will bring in their auditor. Every single time, if I'm going in with an entourage, those are the four horses that are going with me. And they'll usually send like a VP or, I mean, shoot, everybody in carriers a VP. They're going to send me the VP that's responsible for all the other VPs. And that person will come too and i'll do that and if it's if it's a big enough account i'll do that with the two or three carriers we know are going to be at the finish line wanting to write this business i want them in there touching and feeling this thing as quick as i can possibly get them in there and specifically with the auditor and you know again hard market man everybody's going to be looking for money everywhere including the carriers and i don't like a surprise at the end of the year specifically with an auditor if there's something that they don't agree with, with the class code. And I've had this happen with an account in the past where we had a discrepancy and I told them call in NCCI, they call in NCCI, NCCI agrees with Zenith and, and we had to get creative with how we fixed it and stayed within the law to be able to do it. But I would have avoided that on an account that was a good sized account and caused me a little bit of heartburn and in, in egg on my face with my client if I would have just had an auditor come in on the front end, guess what? They love going in like your underwriter, your claims, people, your loss control, people, auditor, every single one of them likes going into those meetings because they're never invited into those meetings. They get to see everybody and meet you and tell you why they're good, which I think is really good because you can create the perception with your prospect that you've got people fighting for their business at this point. Right. You you know, you've, you've brought in, Three different carriers now, and all three of them are, are interested enough that they sent these people in. And obviously, your client, you know, has taken time out to meet with them. But this is how you're going to get deals done in this kind of a marketplace. And from there, you know, the value add and the risk management piece you really have to be in a position to know and understand what's going on in every piece and part of these risks. And then have the plan for what you're going to do moving forward. In our agency, we do a baseline risk assessment for every single middle market account. If it's something that's in my competency, I'll do it myself. Most often, I'm going to outsource it to Yellowbird and have them send somebody that's a expert in that industry to go do it for me. And we're going to share that with the staff at the, at the client or prospect, as well as the, the carrier when we make it our submission. And we take the findings from that and we create what we call the risk management action plan, which is what governs the relationship for the entire year. And that document is a living document. It's got 360 degree accountability and it's updated uh, as frequently as necessary based on the complexity of the account, the loss history, and the desire of the prospect. So most of the time We're not going to have one that's so bad that we have to do it monthly. We certainly have clients that are on monthly, but most of the time, you know, by the time the insurance and this is by the way, we'll do a risk management action plan short term up until the insurance renewal and then we'll base it off of the policy period moving forward um, so that we have, you know, dates that are working together, but, you know, we're going to have the carrier loss control people on there. We're going to have the producer on there. We're going to have the agency side on there. and inside of that I count third party loss control and then we're going to have the client. And so we're going to assign everybody their role or responsibility for each one of the line items we put on there over the course of the year. and we're going to update that every before every single meeting so that when our prospect or so when our client goes in to say, hey, we're coming up for renewal, what have these people really done for me? They don't ever have to say that because we're updating our results in real time with them. They know exactly what we've done for them because we put it in black and white and we keep it updated. So, you know, that's another big thing. But if you're not doing the risk management stuff, are you really 100% confident that you're taking the best risk possible to that to that underwriter? And the answer is probably no. I mean, look... I'm not going to sit here and tell you that over the last 20 years, I've gone in and physically inspected every single account that I've written. I don't think anybody has. I think plenty of us, if we're presented an opportunity to go in and somebody calls in and says, hey, I run a manufacturing company. I'm paying about 150000 in premium a year, and I really don't like my agent. They're not doing anything at all to take care of me. I'd like to move my business to your agency we're probably going to say, hey, send us the policies so we can get a look at that and make sure that we're not taking on an E&O exposure. But how many times are we going to say, sure, I'd love to talk to you. Let me come out and meet with you. I'd like to do a deep dive, understand your operations, overlay your insurance program as it currently stands on top of our findings in the baseline risk assessment so that we can make an educated move to the marketplace and represent you in the appropriate manner. Bullshit. None of us are going to do that. Okay. Okay. We're going to take it on AOR. We might review the policies to make sure we're not taking on an E&O, but I'd be willing to bet 50 to 70% of the time we're not even going to do that. We're going to take it over and figure it out after the fact because we just got a layup put in front of us. We can't do that. We've got to be able to touch and feel all of this stuff at this point because, again, hard market, you don't want egg, in your, egg on your face when the carrier sends their loss control person out who's going to find out all of the stuff you should have known because – That's what they do. And guess what? If you haven't figured this out yet with carrier loss control people, they need to validate their existence. When they show up, they're going to give you recommendations. It's pretty rare that you don't get recommendations in the accounts that I don't get recommendations on are the ones I would expect to not get recommendations on because you can eat off the floor in their facility. It's absolutely crystal clear. So those things you know, again, you really have to have your handle or your arms around what that risk profile looks like so that you can accurately articulate it. The other thing is you really, you know, part of a complete submission is not just, you know, having the applications filled out. But, you know, I talked about this. this, I actually had a pretty good chuckle session from the audience when I said this when I was up in Illinois. But, you know, one of the things about a A a complete submission that's extremely important is when your underwriter asks you for the target premium, you need to give it to them. There's a reason why they're asking for that, right? They need to know if they can even write the account. Because if they can't take the information from the loss history and use that, I mean, that's exactly what they're going to do. And they're going to back into their numbers and their ratings model. If they're old school, if they're new school, they're just going to use artificial intelligence and show you the pimp hand before you even get a number and say, sorry, this doesn't work for us and not give you a point to argue. But if they're, if they're doing it the way that, that it's always been done, they're going to take that loss history and they're going to back into their premium numbers to make sure they can write it at a level where... They can write that it's actually profitable business for them, right? And guess what? Agents don't ever want to give it to them. They don't want to tell them what the target premium is, and that's a problem. You've got to give underwriters what they need to accurately work on the account. Because if you don't, they're not going to ask you two and three times. They're just going to decline it and send and and wish you well, you know, because you didn't give them the information you need. They needed, and you know what the problem is with that? Your competition can get that file reopened if they go in because the only time an underwriter is going to open up something they've declined is is if there's been a material change to the, the, uh, the submission. Information they didn't have was all of a sudden presented to them. Maybe you put in a submission into block markets, never got them loss runs, and they decline it because two weeks before renewal, they never got the loss information. Well, guess what? I can go in, and if I've got a complete submission, including loss information, I can make the case and get them to open that account that they already declined because I've made a material change to the underwriting submission and now they can actually do their job. Giving them target premiums, the same thing. Here's the irony in all of this. We're the same group of people who bitch about the fact people send us deck pages with blacked out premiums on them. But yet we're going to do the same thing to our underwriters who are the ones that are making sure we get paid by giving us quotes that we're able to bind. Legitimately, that's exactly what happens. And so you need to make sure that you're in a position to provide that. If your client or your prospect, rather, isn't willing to provide that to you, you need to let them know why you need it. And if they're not willing to move on and give that to you, you need to analyze whether or not it makes sense for you to take that next step with them. Gurley, what am I missing?
2: Well, that was 27 minutes of, of uh, gold right there. So, you know, I had a meeting today and I was talking to this guy And pretty pretty good sized contractor in Macon, Georgia, and he was talking about how he can't get a ten million dollar umbrella. And I said, "Well, let's let's talk about all this." And so I pulled his DOT information up right there on the spot. Um, He's got some big vacuum trucks that they drive up and down the road and do cleanup at various uh, you know industrial sites. And I said, "Well, you've got twenty seven violations in the past three years. Your out of service time is." You know, three times the national average. Then we reviewed the we reviewed the uh, subcontractor agreement, and they're not getting their contracts like they should be getting them. And so I told him, I said, "Look, there's no surprise here." I said, "There's a, the submission that has been sent out on your behalf is no good because it doesn't highlight, you know, it doesn't talk about anything that you're doing to to work on this." And I used something from that, Josh josh braun podcast i said how are you attacking this and i just didn't say anything and he was like what do you mean how are you attacking it I, i said well surely you're attacking it and the guy had no idea what was happening behind the scenes and i said look the underwriters are looking at this information and i said they're making decisions yes no decisions based upon the information that they're finding on you i mean You know, I can tell you that some carriers are worse than others, but I mean, anybody that's got a DOT number, most carriers are going to be checking that information and it may not be a pricing consideration all the time, but it certainly will be a yes, no consideration. And so it's funny that David was talking about this because that's the exact same thing that I was saying to this prospect today is like, look, it's all about the submission activity. I mean, or the submission quality. And he told me today, he said, you know, what's kind of embarrassing is we can't get this umbrella. And there are companies that are much smaller than we are that have a $10 million umbrella. So they're bidding the jobs, they're getting the jobs, we're doing the work, and we're having to split revenue with these people just because they can get the umbrella limits. And I said, Well, are you tired of doing that? Or, you know, are do you like that? I will know, you know. So so now it's not even a conversation about the insurance anymore. It's a conversation about how he's being presented, you know, to the insurance marketplace. And I think David is 100% correct when he's talking about the quality of the submission. Because I do, I, you know, my first boss in the business is like 70 years old now. And he was telling me about back in the 80s when general liability was on allocation. And none of us on this call are old enough to even know what that was like. I don't even know but, what that means. <laughs> well, at that time, they, ba- they basically said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to let you write $10 million worth of limits this year, and that's it. You know, We're only willing to put up $10 million worth of limits in your zip code, so choose your accounts wisely. And so people were having a very difficult time you know, getting general liability at all. And they would tell the agent, like, "Look, you can write ten accounts. That's it." Because we have to remember something, and you know, and and I'm I I love insurance companies, but we we have to remember, you know, where where our commissions sit on their financials. You know, they don't sit as an asset; they sit as a liability. You know, contingent commissions they sit as a liability on their balance sheet. Unearned premiums they sit as an asset, right? And to David's point. I think that's why those auditors are coming because there are unearned premiums that are sitting out there as a potential asset for them. And I think some real, of the real stuff quick, that, you yeah. want me
0: to tell you how I know you want me to tell you how I know the auditors are coming? Because all of the carriers that were able to handle audit in-house are now back to using third-party auditors in some capacity. And that tells me they're doing everything they can to find every single penny that they can. And here's the other thing those people suck. Okay. They're not educated. They went, they took a class, they got a license, and they don't even understand basic mathematics, let alone workers' comp rules, as far as what the, you know, or GL for that matter, but as far as what constitutes, you know, remuneration.